Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today I have Sean Pasternak. Sean is the AVP of Global Communications at Manulife. To give you some context to scale, Manulife has 35,000 employees in different parts of the world from the US, Canada, Asia, and they're helping with various regulatory products. So products around banking, products around healthcare, insurance. When we think about all those products, we think of the world that we've been living in for the last number of months and months to come or months we will look back on. And these are defining times to be in communications. You know, the, the need to ensure that the voice of our company is understood by our audience has never been more important. And I think when we talk about the buyer journey today in the second segment with Sean, you know, we, we talk about what are the regular rules and then how do we execute in these times of crises. Um, you know, Sean's career as well has is, is got quite a, a, an interesting pivot. It's one we hear about all the time. Uh, but one that we don't always hear that is executed well or one that leads to future growth. And that's someone coming from the media world, someone who is a journalist who's gone in to go over to what Sean calls the dark side when you're in media. Uh, and that's going into a brand and helping them become a better communicator, helping them have the voice, have the stories that need to be told. Today, you're going to hear Sean's story. This is The Marketer's Journey. Hey, Sean, thanks so much for making the time to talk to us today about your journey. I can't wait to learn how you went from the world of media to, I guess, the world of communications, even though there's still that media tied. Maybe you can tell us where you are today, and then we'll backtrack that for people. Sure, and thank you so much for having me today. Um, so I, I'm you know, in charge of global external communications at Manulife, which encompasses traditional PR, media relations from our company's head office in Toronto. So that could be you know, corporate announcements, quarterly results, major uh, corporate actions, uh, and then also the media from our Canadian domiciled businesses, uh, which include wealth and asset management, uh, Manulife Bank, group benefits, and a slew of, of just really solid financial products. Well, in, in that world that you're in, being around all those different products, as, as you described in the, the times we've been in, in, in the year 2020, uh, I'm sure you've been busy. Uh, even though you're working from home, you must be a very busy person. We'll, we'll get more into your the journey that you're having to navigate for people in those different mediums. But let's talk about your journey and your career and how you got into this opportunity. So, you know, getting to this senior level, um, you know, you've worked your way up from what I can see over seven plus years at Manu Life. But let's go back before that, because how did you realize that your calling was communications. So I, I shouldn't be here today. I mean, I should be here. You invited me here. But, but what I mean is if you go back like a decade ago, I was probably one of the most despised people among the PR types at many of Canadian uh, financial services companies. This was right at the height of the global financial crisis. And even though Canada performed relatively well compared to some of its global peers, still not the type of media coverage that financial institutions were, were necessarily clamoring for. So that was sort of building my reputation at that point. I, I 
was in journalism for about 20 plus years before I, I, I crossed over. Uh, and once the financial crisis ended, I started looking, okay, what's my next challenge? Because I was doing, um, I guess the best way to describe it is, have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Where uh, like the Bill Murray character, he started living his life same day over and over and over again. It was I feel like of- every day right now is Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> Very true, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I was kind of feeling that around that, and this is probably around you know, 2012, 2013. And so I started looking, trying to figure out what my next challenge was going to be. And over the years as, as a reporter, you know, I'd built up uh, a pretty decent network of contacts and, and just wanted to have conversations with them. Probably did more listening than, than talking, honestly. And about the idea of, you know, what would it take to move over from media to communications or, or PR? And, you know, I can't emphasize this enough. It's considered, very much considered selling out when you go from reporter to, to public relations in a lot of respects. I, you know, I cannot tell you how many times, you know, I used to say, oh, I hear so-and-so has crossed over to the dark side. Okay. Um, because it, it, it's, it's a very different skill set. Very so morbid, of, but, but, I, but I could see that. Exactly. Or the Star Wars reference, maybe. But so, you know, doing that, I just wanted to make sure if I was going to do, you can't cross back into media or it's, it's very difficult to rather. So I wanted to make sure this was something, you know, with a long-term view that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. Uh, and, and so what I found, I wanted to make sure that I found absolutely the right fit. Um, so this wasn't just, you know, moving over to PR for the sake of it, but actually, you know, finding something I was going to be able to enjoy. Um, spoke with a lot of different companies and agencies and what have you, and just really at first did not find the right fit, um, which is absolutely code for and none of them wanted to hire me. And, <laughs> but then, um, you know, I found Manulife and talk about like right opportunity, right time. This was a company that had just gone um, through some changes and was looking at revamping its, its entire PR effort. And this was an opportunity for me not only to find a new career, but actually make real change. So I was super excited about that and still still am to this day. So I want to just pause you there, Sean. I'm I'm curious the learning here, aside from you and the opportunity and risk that you had to take to make that jump, what is your feelings on marketers today in general, communications, demand, whatnot? I mean, there's a huge demand for people who can tell a story, who can write, and, and we've always said to ourselves, you know, the new marketer uh, in the last 10 years often came from the media world because they were the best storytellers. So how do you, how do you find those that you believe can jump over to the dark side? Yeah, the, the flip side of it is how do you, how do you rescue maybe someone from, from the struggles of media you know, that marketers may say, but how do you find the ones that can make that jump versus those that can't? Right. Well, I, I think you hit on something right there when you're talking about, you know, being storytellers. Because that's, I consider myself more than, you know, former journalists, more than somebody in PR, more than somebody in marketing, I'm a storyteller. And, you know, to be able to do that effectively, I think you have to understand who the audience is and what, what's the narrative you want to be able to tell and, and have this flair for telling things in sort of a, in a light, a conversational way. So I think, you know, for aspiring marketers who are looking to get into that world, it's no longer about, you know, sort of telling the, the corporate ad copy, but actually telling a story and, and showing people, you know, why, you know, why this product or service is different, what this is going to do, how this is going to help you, and just do it in a, a very um, conversational way. So 
as you made that jump in 2013 from the world of Bloomberg News over to the world of Manulife News or Manulife Communications, mm-hmm. what was the biggest struggle for you to adjust to that world? You know, perhaps it was the mindset around timelines. Perhaps it was something else. How? What, what did you have to get used to? I think it was the culture and environment, uh, quite honestly, because you know, as as a reporter, you're you know you're encouraged to uh, push back and challenge the system, and and not to necessarily say you know in my current role I don't do that, but it, it's a different way. You have to build consensus. You have to be a little bit political, and you also have to understand you know the the ask that you have and how this is actually going to help you know, your client in this case a company achieve what they want to achieve. So it's it's just it's a different way of of asking for things and interacting with people, which is not a muscle that, you know, I, I would necessarily flex in a newsroom. So, so I'm curious on that, and maybe we can go a little bit deeper, because fast forwarding for people, as, as they now know, you are now the AVP of Global Communications for Manulife, uh, which involves navigating tricky waters of different things that have to be communicated out there. Now, I imagine in the media world, you're going to also have tricky stories that you want to tell, that you got to get consent for, but the, the decision is probably pretty quick. Either we're running this story tomorrow or next week or not. How do you go through that bureaucracy, as you, as you said, of wanting to tell a story, but perhaps in a more conservative organization, getting the approvals to tell that story? You know, so every experience is, is a little bit different. I think, you know, the strongest thing that I think I bring to the table is that I can still think like a reporter. And in, in a lot of the decisions I make and the ones that I recommend too. So, you know, if I'm able to, to talk to, you know, our leadership and decision makers and say, you know, here's what happens if we, we decide to pursue this, you know, in a media standpoint, here are the different tactics we can use to get there. And here are the risks associated with it. And that's, that's a big thing because you, you said conservative, I'd say, you know, it's just, it's a very highly regulated industry where, you know, people want to think things through and they have a lot of people to, to answer to. So they want to make sure it's the right call. So I think it's just, you know, bringing that information to the table and helping inform uh, your partners. That's, that's great advice. So let's, last question, you know, before we take a break here, making the jump from director level where you joined Manulife to VP, uh, you know, a lot of marketers, that's their goal. You know, always make that next step, progress in their career. How did you make make that possible? You know, what was it that was key for you inside the organization to identify yourself and, and for them to see you in that way? Someone, um, you know, within the marketing part of the organization gave me some great advice at one point. It was really just, you know, keep sticking your hand up. Like when you have good ideas, when you're you're ready to commit to things, like make sure you're, you're there and you're present um, because nobody is going to promote you as well as you are yourself, right? So it, it almost became this 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 effort and a PR campaign for me uh, to try and get to that next level, but also just to show like you know what what I'm capable of. Um, so I use that opportunity still to this day as much as I can to show you know like I, I'm really I'm committed and I'm all in and I, I truly want to be able to help my partners along. That's great advice uh, for anyone listening on this. You know I, I know I said last question, but how do you balance on that answer, how do you balance when to speak up and when to keep your mouth shut? Because I think you know when some people hear that advice, their mindset is, "Well, I'm just going to 
make sure that I, I always add a footnote to every conversation. You know, how do you read the room? How do you get to understand the people that, that you're going to give updates to maybe in those more senior positions? That's a great question. I think a lot of the time I do try to keep my mouth shut and say like less is more because you want to be able to take in the advice of the room and then offer that advice when you think it's advantageous. So it, 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 it takes a bit of practice to get that right. I find there's certainly, there's no such thing as, as a stupid question, but at the same time, you don't want to be just sort of pushing back just to hear your own voice in the room. So, so sometimes I, you know, will sit completely silent because that's the right thing to do. And then you can always follow up later with like, you know, a, a really intelligent question. Hopefully. That's helpful. All right. So speaking of intelligent questions, I hope I've got more coming for you. In the meantime, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to say anything in this room. We will hear from our sponsor and we will be back with Sean to talk about how he navigates the buyer journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. One of the interesting aspects in chatting with Sean is understanding that he's working in an organization with 35,000 employees. And when you think about the implication of having to go out and be the voice of a company with that many different internal stakeholders for so many different products, it becomes very complex. And the amount of internal communication that needs to flow with the right channels to ultimately get the right message out there because we can all envision ourselves sitting there and when our company does a tweet, when our company sends an email, we sit there and we kind of reflect on that as to how does that work with my messaging? Is my messaging and my company's messaging aligned? It's a really important challenge and it helps you understand why we need teams who oversee communications as an extension of marketing inside of a, a company the size of Many Life or any of ours. We're back here with Sean Pasternak. We are talking about his career overseeing communications for Manulife. And as you said, it's, it's a regulatory industry. So there's a lot to announce. There's a lot to get out to the public on a regular basis. But there's a lot of questions these days of what is the role in communications? Is it more social media lean? Is, P, is PR still the way that we communicate? And I was on a, a, a webinar myself a few, a few weeks ago and we were talking about, you know, the, the role of PR and the challenge of justifying the spend for PR. What's your thoughts on press releases today when we have all these other channels that are a little bit more accessible to the public? That, that's a fantastic question. So, you know, when we, when we talk about press releases, it, it's, 
and I don't want to be careful here because, you know, we, we still obviously issue uh, press releases from time to time. What will happen is, you know, invariably we'll have, you know, people in our business will say, you know, I'm doing this, this, and this. Let's put a press release out for it. And my first question without fail is always, okay, why? And not to say that's not what we end up doing, but we really want to think about what the audience is. And is that, so it, it's one tactic. It's, it can be an expensive tactic, but it may not be the best way to get your message out there. And this is where I lean on my experience as a former reporter. You know, you're receiving dozens, sometimes hundreds of emails a day uh, from, from PR folks like me, you know, just trying to pitch our stuff. And, you know, there, there may be a better way around it than just seeing here's, here's the latest, you know, corporate speak news release. I mean, there's, there's so many other tactics we have at our disposal that we can use that, you know, you want to just think it through really clearly and think, you know, if I'm approaching a reporter with this, is this something that's really going to resonate with them? Or is it just going to be more noise? Yeah, that, that's great advice. And I, I'm trying to reflect myself on this mindset when we see in our own marketing team, okay, well, let's issue a press release. And the question is, as I take a step back is, what are we trying to accomplish? Really, we want someone to pick up that press release and cover it and write a bigger story on that. Or I just want someone to see that I released it on LinkedIn these days, sometimes how I feel. But what are the other mediums outside of that press release that you sometimes lean on yourself to get a message out perhaps more quickly, more authentically? I think it comes back to the relationships that, that you have with the media. And here, you know, I'll talk to my team, which is I, I would put them up against any uh, PR uh, team in, in the country. Um, they're, they're that effective. But it's, it's, we really put a premium on managing relationships, talking to reporters, trying to get a sense of what do you, each reporter, what do they want to, to take away from this? What will be newsworthy to them? What won't be newsworthy to them? So we're not wasting their time. And I think like the more we're doing that, it's proven to be quite effective. So, you know, when we, when we pick up the phone to call them, they know there's, there's a little bit of value there. And it's not just, you know, the latest one of a hundred different press releases that they're receiving that day. Absolutely. I, I think the world we're in now, which is not the normal we knew in the past, you know, even if you're listening to this podcast 12 months from now, I think we'll, we'll still be talking about the new normal. The, the rules that you just outlined for when to do a press release, those probably applied you know, for the last number of years as we've shifted. But as we've entered crisis mode and it feels as though there's something to announce, there's almost a story every day to be told. How does that shift further to when you think of a press release versus when you just take to a social media outlet to ensure that the public understands more quickly? I mean, I think it's more of the same that, you you know, you want to figure out what is it you want the end audience to feel and who is the end audience. So there are, you know, a lot of times where a very well-timed social media campaign can get that out, especially you know, as you say, in, in a moment of crisis where, you know, you have seconds to spare uh, to, to get your message out. So, so it's that, it's also looking at, you know, how you want to convey the message. You know, are you trying to be as authentic as possible? Is this something, you know, it's, it's almost you want to, to convey, you know, business as usual. So it's just so many factors. It's, it's almost like every situation, every crisis can be a little bit different in that respect. So maybe the last question on this, on this piece is help me understand how you need to 
politicize this internally? Who are some of the stakeholders you need to get on side uh, when you're when you're making announcements, regardless of the medium, just more speak on behalf of the organization? And and as you do that, maybe you can give some some context to the scale of the organization that Manny Life is today. Sure. So that that's a, it's a good sort of segue into it because we are a very large company. Uh, we have you know. Uh, significant operations in Canada and the United States, where we operate, is, is John Hancock uh, in Asia, and we're we're uh, more than thirty-five thousand employees at the end of, of last year, ninety-eight thousand agents. So it's it's a big organization, and when you do that, there's there are all kinds of, of stakeholders, um, just really depending on on the message you're trying to convey. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's our executive leadership team, which is our sort of top level of executives. Sometimes it's the business owner. Um, there's obviously different, you know, sort of legal and compliance, uh, checkpoints, um, government relations, investor relations. So it's it, it, almost every, every ask is, is kind of different, uh, in terms of who we need to talk to and loop in and get consensus, but we want to make sure, you know, we're, we're talking to the right people each and every time. So there's no, no room for error. It's, it's an interesting point you bring up there. Again, your role has a focus on external communications. But as you know, with thirty-five thousand people in the fold, even if you're ten percent of that, you know, for companies who aren't at that scale listening in on that, the question is, how do you make sure that the story you're going to tell is the same story that everyone else is prepared to hear internally, uh, or that they're able to turn around and tell it as well? So I'm sure that there's a lot of internal challenges to make sure the story is going to be adopted throughout. Uh, it's a good point. So one of the things I'm really fortunate to work for is, so we're paired with an internal communications component and we, you know, more often than not, we're working on, on different messages together um, so that we've thought through, you know, that, that of course the employees are going to be reading, you know, what we put on our Twitter channels and, you know, on our news releases and what have you. Um, so we want to make sure that they are uh, complementary of each other. And you also, you know, don't want to take an employee by surprise when you're doing something. Um, you want to make sure that they're they're fully informed and that they're part of this journey too. That's great. Well, we've hit on two journeys. You finished on that as your last word there. We've talked about your career. We've talked about you know buyers and the and the the media outlets that you're working through. If we can keep you around, Sean, after a short little break here, we'll get to know how you make some time for yourself. This last piece of the journey, right here on the marketer's journey. What I love about Sean's story, and and it reminds me, to be honest, of my life and my decision to make a change. Now, mine came back around 2010. I was outside of the tech world, but it was an area that always intrigued me and one I wanted to break in. But it's hard to make that jump. It's hard to go from more consumer products or non-tech into the tech world. And I recall having to find the company that would take a chance on me find a company that would look at the opportunity. Now, to be honest, it ended up being a co-founder in my case, and we ended up starting Uberflip, but you always need someone who's gonna be there to help you take that jump and take that change. Very interesting how he's been able to take that with Manulife and continue to excel. All right, Sean, so we've unpacked your career that journey that your buyers go through, through the different communications that you're helping to oversee. With that busy 
goal setting all day long, trying to climb the ranks like any marketer is, how do you prioritize time for yourself, for your family, for just taking a break? That's a great question. As soon as I have the answer, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> I, th- especially just, you know, through the pandemic, it, it's a challenge. Um, one, like I readily accept it. And look, I, I don't think anybody is happy about having to go through this, this crisis right now, but it's provided a lot of learning opportunities and ways to, to sharpen skills that maybe we never would have had before. But at the same time, I'm legitimately putting, you know, 14 to 16 hours a day uh, going through four to 600 emails a day. Um, family does not love that aspect of the job. Uh, they, I mean, they've been incredibly supportive, like unbelievably supportive. Um, so it, it's just, you know, I personally, it's something I've got to do a better job of, of being able to sort of separate the two. And it's more difficult when you're sitting in a home office, when it's you know easiest thing in the world to hop on your email again, at Absolutely. literally any hour of the day. So one thing, if I, if I can sneak in a, a manual life plug here, um, and I've got to do that as a PR guy. Uh, so we had uh, this June 19th uh, was our global thank you day throughout the company. So 35,000 employees get the day off um, just as, as a thank you for all the hard work um, they've put in. So I think like the company recognizes that there needs to be some, some balance here because it's been go, go, go um, really since the beginning of this pandemic. And, you know, so recognizing that there has to be you know, a proper balance between the two. And it's, it's something, you know, I certainly encourage my team. Uh, you've got to take time for yourself. You've got to be able to separate. Now I just have to do that myself. It's great advice. I, th- I think a lot of marketers and anyone in business kind of feels like, well, now's not the time to take a break. I'm already at home all day. But more than ever, I think we need to prioritize time for ourselves, time for our family, time to just get outside safely, of course. Uh, Sean, this has been great. It's, it's been great getting to know about you, the path you've taken. I think there's a lot that people can take away from this. And if people have enjoyed listening to your story, uh, as we said, it's all about stories. Uh, we've got quite a few others with other guests who have been on the marketer's journey. Check us out on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, iTunes, we're there too. And leave us a review when you can. Until next time, this has been The Marketer's Journey. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.